0: You're fed up with the nine-to-five, you've been working hard for years, and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. Hello, everyone. This is Business Breaks, and I am your host, Dante Healy. My very special guest today is John Ladiger, CEO of Sterpe a new and innovative financial modeling software dedicated for startups, which enables them to create robust financial models and scenarios without using Excel. Crazy, I know. It's been called a CFO in a box as it creates investor-ready dashboards and business plans, as well as having a comprehensive library of financial concepts to support the absolute beginner towards building a financial model for their business. Now, as a former accountant and Excel jockey myself, who built annual budgets as well as three to five-year forecasts, I can tell you this is a great tool for small companies who are looking for something that can support the creation of financial models for your business without the need to understand complicated Excel formulas and functions. And so I am super excited for this interview. John, welcome to Business
1: Breaks. I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad to hear you, man. That was a a good intro. We're going to have to see if we can't hire you to do some marketing for us. I appreciate the overview. You did a good job.
0: Oh, consider me a fan, John. (laughs) So uh, please, uh, in terms of you as a person, tell me about your career. So how did you develop from being a sales and marketing (laughs) consultant, then digital consultant to becoming the founder of a financial modeling software company?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, I did my undergraduate degree in business at Auburn University, and while I was there, I I studied uh I was in the school of business and my major was marketing, but I was part of this new minor program, and it was called Business Engineering Technologies. And it was a cool program because it took teams from the engineering school and the business school, put us together in the same room, and kind of forced us to work together and collaborate new kind of business ventures. And so that was kind of like my first taste of working with the engineers and working with technology. So I knew that that I wanted to be in technology, but more so on the business side. So out of school, I actually worked for IBM for a short stint on the sales side. And then I turned kind of page and went the consulting route. So I worked for Accenture for about five years. And what I really enjoyed as as a consultant was the problem solving. So I always enjoyed getting to work with new clients and solving new problems. <clears throat> and then eventually it just kind of hit me. I was kind of five years on the road living in hotels every week. And and I kind of just decided, do I really want to be a road warrior for for every week for my career? And I decided to kind of take the leap in early 2019 into entrepreneurship and uh decided what i'm i'm tired of kind of solving problems for other folks i want to i want to build my own business and 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 jump in and give my go at at entrepreneurship so that led me to kind of start my first company we got some venture backing from comcast and a few others and that project ultimately kind of came to a bit of a crash. And one of the reasons was that we had poor financial projections and tracking. So we weren't tight with our budgets. We didn't have a clear path towards monetization. And when I kind of turned towards my peers, I, I saw a lot of them struggling with the same exact reasons. And so I was lucky at the time when my business was kind of coming to an end. I was able to meet my now current co-founder, Filippo. And Filippo had just started Sturpy, so I was pretty quick to to jump on board with him and and joined him as as his co-founder, and and that was in kind of middle of 2021. So we're about 16, 18 months old now, and uh, yeah, things are good.
0: Amazing! You just answered my next question, so I'll move on. So Sturpy was created to enable startup founders to have. Robust financial models without needing to master Excel, I guess from your perspective, besides obviously what you explained, what is the core problem it solves and would it need, would it replace needing a CFO, especially if you're a small to medium sized business, do you think?
1: yeah so I think there there are kind of two people two types of people in this world there's the the folks that love Excel and the folks that hate excel so <laughs> excel is a is a great tool it's super robust it's an open canvas, but it's not necessarily designed for one particular use case or thing so the amount of Excel spreadsheets that I've seen for financial models. Uh, I've seen hundreds, or if not thousands of them by now, and they all kind of have dozens of tabs, interconnected cells, and they just become kind of a mess to manage and to create. And then once you create something, you get cells breaking and it just gets messy. So what we decided was, as an early stage founder, whether you're a small business with a mom and pop shop, or you're kind of going the tech route with a startup you need to have a good sense of your financial modeling and, and kind of where your money is going and and have that path towards profitability and so we wanted to provide those founders that are busy building their startups with an easy way to get going and get going fast and and so that's kind of our attempt with Stuby so no Excel or, or kind of experience in in the finance world is needed to kind of use our software and and get started building uh, investor-ready models pretty quick.
0: Brilliant. And then uh, what are the biggest, biggest challenges you've faced when finding a design that balances the need for discipline along with speed and flexibility when you're building out a tool that will deliver that robust financial model?
1: Yeah, so when you look at some of kind of the competitor financial modeling tools out there today, a lot of them are kind of more so focused around building financial models for SaaS companies specifically, so software as a service businesses. And one of the things that we wanted to set out to do a little bit differently was be kind of more of a horizontal platform. So allow the folks that are building a a hair salon or a dog walking business to be able to build a financial model on Sturpee. So uh, we kind of take this approach of we try to get kind of our customers 90% of the way there through uh, a bit of a templated component uh, approach. Uh, But then everything in Sturpee can be kind of fine tuned and, and, and tweaked and customized so we have this really robust system kind of behind the scenes that uh, you can only find if you're if you're looking for it. And it's called kind of our node system. And so nodes, we think about nodes as kind of building blocks or Legos. And we combine these nodes in different ways to create basically what we call flows. And flows are essentially these templates that you can use to... Model a particular revenue stream, like an e-commerce business or a, a SaaS, SaaS business or a consulting business, and you can kind of pick and choose and put those pieces together to build your truly unique model. So, it, it's been a challenge for sure to 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 think about. How do we build something that's robust and flexible yet targeted enough to, to the average user? And, and we kind of try to achieve that with this, this approach of like a 90-10 approach where 90% of things are, are kind of templated, but then if you want to go that extra 10%, you have the flexibility through our our, our node editor to, to be able to tweak things and fine-tune it to meet your specific needs.
0: Brilliant. And then as a big proponent of technology to solve real world problems. What do you see are the potential pitfalls when challenging the status quo with financial modeling being done today entirely in Excel, with the exception of, say, those large-scale enterprises who can afford to uh, invest in an EPM, CPM, massive and very expensive uh, platform?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Just the the uh, one big use case for our software is that folks end up building financial models on Sterpi and then they share these models with potential investors. And you still get some old school investors that are used to their old ways of, they, they want to see that, that Excel model. So we tried to, for the longest time to, to, to not have an export to Excel or spreadsheet uh, function, but we ended up caving and allowed that, that functionality. So you can take everything in Excel or everything in stirpy rather and click one button and export the entire thing to Excel. So yeah, I think that Sturpee is lightweight enough where an early business can start using it. It's comparable in price to some of the templates that you might find out there for Excel. And then you have the ultimate flexibility of if you are sharing this with an investor and he wants to see an Excel model or she wants to see an Excel model, you can click one button, export everything in stirpy to a, a spreadsheet and and, and and get that that funding check uh, secured by, by giving them the Excel that they want. So it's tricky. I, I think we'll never truly, if you're kind of a hardcore Excel user, Sterpy probably isn't the solution for you. And kind of one of the analogies that, that I like to make is 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 kind of between Photoshop, the, the photo editing software, and Canva. And so I'm a long time Photoshop user on the creative side. So, uh, building logos and, and graphics. I love Adobe's suite of tools, but it's a pretty masterful set of tools. And I spent hours and hours on YouTube learning how to use this set of tools. And when I first saw Canva, I looked at Canva, which is kind of a simpler Photoshop for dummies, if you will. And I was like, oh man, I'm never going to use that. And what I've kind of realized is that I'm not their target customer. I'm, I'm never going to be a Canva user. But I'm not like the majority of the market, right? So uh, I think the world it, it can coexist where there's there's kind of the Excel folks that want to stay in Excel. Great, more power to you. But we're kind of serving a different market of of folks that are looking for something a little bit more collaborative, a little bit more easy on the eyes, and 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 not as uh, formula driven from from Excel perspective. Thank you, John.
0: I have a little joke because. Uh, <clears throat> project manager on finance projects that um the the default thing you need on the business requirements is the export to excel so i understand that kind of trying to get <laughs> yeah. away from that <laughs> yeah you can't you can avoid it unfortunately
1: <laughs> yeah that's absolutely right for sure so we make it easy i i almost wanted i joked with my my co-founder and we were kind of fighting back and forth on the export to Excel, and I was like, I almost wanted to when you click that export button, like a pop up comes up, and it's like, "Okay, boomer," and then and then you can export to Excel or something like that. But uh, now we we just uh, allowed it to allowed it to get into the pla- platform. So, but it kind of would have been funny, I thought to kind of get a little jab at Excel for us. (laughs) Uh, But Excel's
0: never going away. That's why it's it's still around. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't use Excel for financial models myself. Oh, well, obviously with (laughs) STERPY. But, uh, I mean, do you see any signs of potential abuses by unscrupulous founders who might want to tweak their forecasts in order to inflate their financial projections? Or have you seen that sort of thing? (laughs)
1: Yeah, right? I mean, it it happens, right? And and I don't think it's necessarily malicious. I think sometimes I think it's overly ambitious maybe or when when folks are thinking that you kind of hear these stories and we watch movies and we see these startups that go from one user in month one to a million users in month three. Or we, we look at the TikToks and the Facebooks and see that explosive growth and think that we can easily kind of emulate that with our own startups. And the truth is it's, it's not really that realistic. So we, we try to do a couple of things within our tool to kind of nudge founders and keep them within the lanes of of what's realistic. And we do that in a couple of ways. One is we provide a, a set of guidelines so if you are building a new model and let's just say you're kind of tweaking something like a uh, churn rate for, so if it's a fast business, a certain percentage of your customers are going to churn each month and kind of the naive founder might say, well, our software is awesome. No one ever is going to cancel their subscription. We want 0% uh, churn for our product or we want 1% well we provide kind of a nice little guideline at the bottom a little banner kind of pops up that says the average company is 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 probably somewhere in kind of like a 7 to 10, 10% churn rates mm-hmm. so like that 1% yeah it can be aspirational but it's probably not so achievable so we try to kind of keep keep founders kind of within the lanes there and, and try to be kind of more of an educational resource because a lot of folks just don't know that the models that they're building are, are a a little bit over ambitious if we'll call it. So, but it's, it'll always happen. And I think if these founders are, going on and, and trying to kind of raise funds from venture capitalists. They're used to seeing things like that. And they, they kind of get weeded out, if you will. But our goal is is to kind of get these founders that are building models on Stirpee when they do step in front of a a, a a VC or an angel investor, that they don't look like they're overly ambitious. So we, we our goal is kind of to make them or kind of guide them to create models that are founded in sanity and and reality if you will so (laughs) we do our best there but it's always going to happen of course
0: yeah and uh, it, it sounds like it's mostly those big mistakes are more from naivety than actual um intent shall we say
1: Um, yeah exactly exactly right like i i I see an occasional model and it's year one zero dollars in revenue year two five hundred million dollars in recurring revenue and i'm like that's going to be tough i mean you could do it maybe but uh let's let's bring it back to planet earth a little bit here so we try to be kind of that educational resource too specifically because we deal with so many early stage founders that Mm. They might not know what some of these financial terms are. They might not know the difference between a, a convertible note and a priced round. And so throughout the platform, we also bake in a lot of educational resources to try to kind of inform and educate these founders around the ins and outs of of finance and, and raising money, et cetera.
0: And that's so important because, as you, as you say, um, you said earlier that... Um one of the biggest things with a business is controlling your finances that's that's probably the biggest cause of so many startups failing
1: mhm yeah i think if you if you google it it's like top reason number one startups fail I, I believe is is basically uh running out of funding and and so yeah staying on top of it's important it's it's something that everybody needs to do and uh, the other thing that's important is just staying on top of it frequently. Some people think that it's, okay, I build a financial model and then it somehow ticks a box and then it goes in a drawer and I don't look at it again for for 12 months. And that that's kind of a pitfall that I see oftentimes too, is they're living, breathing documents. As your business evolves, as you change things, you too should be kind of updating that financial model to reflect those changes. And you should be using it as a tool to kind of measure what you think might happen versus what's what's in reality. So, Yeah, that's that's kind of another important aspect there.
0: That's why uh, stuff being deceptively simple and easy to update, that makes it so powerful in the sense that you you don't have any reason not to keep going back to your financial model and tweaking it to reflect the current reality you're facing. Right, right, exactly. So um how have um senior finance leaders reacted to STERPY, those that have actually had the benefit of seeing it?
1: Yeah, I think at, at the early stages, it, they kind of had the same reaction that I had to Canva when, as a as a Photoshop expert myself, of saying this isn't robust enough, and but you're never going to be able to kind of replace all of this functionality and and, and kind of meeting some of these these kind of niche situations is really tough. But as we've kind of grown the platform. I get more and more kind of LinkedIn DMs and stuff around FP&A and, and kind of CFO style folks that are kind of knocking on our door and saying, hmm, pe- people are continuing to use this. There might be something here. And then sometimes they've they've had a second conversation with us and said – Oh my goodness, you guys have improved this platform so much in such a short time and, and we're like, yeah, we're just we're just getting started too. So I think they're slowly coming around to it and 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 seeing kind of some of the benefits of 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 kind of using a tool like Sturby versus managing a ton of different spreadsheets or or trying to kind of maintain it in different places.
0: Brilliant. And um, moving on from the technology side to more of the people side of things and your leadership style, who has been your biggest influence on your journey to becoming a founder of a game changing financial modeling software?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. It, it it's kind of cheesy. I got got to give a lot of credit to to my pops, my dad. He's always been kind of a he's been a big business leader his entire life, and and has set a pretty good example on on what it is to be a leader. I remember kind of when I was having a conversation with him back in 2019 around, hey, should I leave my super comfortable, high paying consultant job at a big firm? and and kind of jump out of the nest and, and do my own thing. And he turned to me and said, do it. Don't be afraid to take chances, especially when you're young. And so he was definitely kind of a, a big influence in, in kind of pushing me into the, the crazy world of startups and, and 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 kind of getting me, getting me started there. So he's definitely been a big influence for me in in kind of how I navigate my my company as a leader, but also just taking a leap into entrepreneurship in and, and the world of startups.
0: And I have to say, you show a great deal of resilience to bounce back from your first startup experience, and obviously the learnings from that when you're just starting out, and obviously, and you're gonna fail. We all fail at something at the beginning, right? So, how did you manage to regulate your emotions during that time?
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. We, we, I think as startup founders and 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 entrepreneurs, you you kind of. Your identity in such a way becomes so much of it becomes the this, this startup or the business that you're building, and so it could be tough. It was it's it's kind of a shameful thing to to be promoting to the world that you're working on this next big thing, and and then one day you kind of wake up and you realize that that next big thing isn't isn't going to be a next big thing, and and you got to kind of go back to the thanksgivings around the corner. You got to get sit down at the thanksgiving dinner table and. When when your aunt asks you how how things are going, you have to kind of say, "Not good." <laughs> and so it can be a tough pill to swallow. But I, I think that it's gotten more common for for founders to to be more sharing in from like a vulnerable space. And and so I've just been motivated by by kind of the, the folks that 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 have come before me in in the entrepreneurial space that have failed and said, "Hey, so long as you're." Kind of failing forward and learning things and applying those to your next idea you, you can you could still be successful it's it's very difficult and I don't think that there are many super successful founders that kind of struck gold on their first attempt so I'm a big believer in, in getting reps in and Encouraging people to take the leap into entrepreneurship because it might not be this this time around, but uh, if you keep kind of putting yourself in in the game, you'll you'll eventually figure it out and 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 kind of progress things forward. So it was tough, kind of sunsetting that 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 business and going back to some of our investors and saying, "Hey, we we failed. I'm, I'm sorry, but we're hoping to to kind of learn from it. It wasn't for naught. We we learned a heck of a lot." And we're going to take those learnings and, and, and try things again. So it's tough, but um, I think I think the best entrepreneurs are the ones that find a way to kind of persevere and, and jump back on the horse.
0: Yeah, I'd say those were formative experiences, even if they weren't pleasant. Yeah, they're yeah. rewarding in their own way.
1: <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. So um, what do you think is the most important personality trait for success as an entrepreneur?
1: Man, it it kind of goes back to the same thing. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. I mean, it can be uncomfortable. I'm. It's it's funny. I was I was joking with my my girlfriend. I'm not one to post a lot on kind of social media, and uh, I was posting selfies on LinkedIn the other day, and and it can feel uncomfortable, like getting yourself out there, putting yourself out and kind of a out into the world and saying you're doing this thing because you don't want to be judged, but you just got to do it. And so I think being fearless in that, getting getting your name out there is huge. I think there are so many technical or very gifted technical founders working on very cool projects. But at the end of the day, if they're not getting that project or that product into the hands of their potential users, it's just going to stay that. It's going to stay a project and never become a business. So I think the, the hard part of being an entrepreneurship is not being afraid to to put yourself out there be vulnerable and get early looks and feedback from those customers or potential customers because that's really where you'll learn the the, the product that we first kind of released in in early twenty twenty one. I would be, I, I keep kind of a picture of it on my uh, on my desktop because it, it looks nothing like the product that, that, that Sterpy is today. I mean, it's motivational to go back and, and look at it and say, oh my goodness, we've come so far. But had we not been willing to kind of put that out there in the early days, we wouldn't be here today. So I think to to kind of sum it up, you just got to be as an entrepreneur, the most important thing to me is is being willing to, to put your your product your your business out in front of the public, in front of your potential customers, and not be afraid of of what folks might say about the product you're building. Agreed. You
0: have to have a, a certain extent a thick skin and understand where you're coming from, and that where you are now is not where you're going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. And then, in terms of career advice, do you believe that entrepreneurship can be learned, and how would anyone who's thinking of starting actually start the journey if they were interested
1: yeah yeah i so for one i 100 think it can be learned mm-hmm. but how you learn it i think is more so trial by fire than than being than learning it from a textbook i when in, in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey i read every book i listened to every podcast i was subscribed to all the newsletters I was on websites like Indie Hackers and all, all of these kind of entrepreneurial business style resources. I was consuming all of them. And I saw a post one time and it was like a some entrepreneur and he kind of made the challenge. He said it it's it's time to consume less and 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 actually produce and put out more because that's really where you learn and so Had we not taken the early shots, had I not done kind of the first startup, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, again, it's just kind of putting yourself out there is super important.
0: Thanks, John. And then what's the best piece of career advice you've personally
1: received from someone like a leader or a mentor? Man, that's a good question. I think just just not being afraid to fail, I think it's super important. When you read books going to books like if you read like the Mom test with which is a super kind of famous early stage entrepreneurial book, getting that customer feedback is super important but so so getting out there listening to your customers, iterating on iterating on that feedback is good. but I always look for trends i I do see a lot of founders in in business that one customer comes back and says the automobile should be red and then they start repainting the automobile red and if you do that with every single piece of customer feedback or every single kind of interview you do you're gonna have a a wacky looking rainbow car and so I, i like to try to look for always listen to feedback from your customers but look for the trends and so what i mean by trends is even at the early stages if you're just getting started someone gives you a piece of feedback, write that feedback down. And then when someone else gives you another piece of feedback, write that piece of feedback down and then look at the trends of, of what the customers are saying and move in that path. Because if you try to just create a new feature for every customer, it, it it's not going to be applicable to kind of a mass audience. You're going to create something a little too niche, and the chances are that whatever you're building isn't going to be kind of applicable to your to your next customer. So listen to feedback, but look for trends and then act on the trends in that feedback is, is definitely something that's been rooted on me from, from kind of some of my mentors, but something that I try to practice diligently.
0: Thank you, John. That's really powerful. Sparks a few thoughts in, in me as well, but I'll keep those to myself because <laughs> this is really valuable to get your time. And then in terms of, lessons, what's the single lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life?
1: The single lesson, oh man, I created TikTok earlier. No, I'm just (laughs) not on TikTok, (laughs) but man, some of the folks that I I, I never, I never would have thought uh, folks could grow on TikTok the way they do, but they do. The single lesson, I think the single lesson that I probably learned most, I think it's just got to be being okay with and reframing your failures. So looking at what what you might perceive as something that was a failed attempt and and thinking about that critically and saying, what what can I learn um, from that and then potentially apply later in life? So, I mean, my first startup was in a completely unrelated space to financial modeling. We were in the supply chain and and third-party logistics e-commerce space. But still, the th- some of the things that we did then and some of the things that we learned back then somehow come into everyday life in, in this startup and, and can be applied forward. So just just not seeing your failures as necessarily failures, but learning opportunities and, and how you could potentially apply those things moving forward are, is super important.
0: Always good to be resilient, as they say. Thank you so much for all your insights. And just on a personal level, what do you like to do in your spare time?
1: Yeah. So I live in Denver, Colorado for for most of the year. So I'm a big skier. So I love to get out into the mountains and, and go skiing. And then, a lot of my family lives on the East Coast down in in, in South Carolina and in, in Hilton Head on the beach. So when I'm not skiing in the wintertime, I like to go down to the beach in the summertime and do some fishing with my my father and my brother. So those are my probably my two favorite hobbies. And then just like a daily indulgence that I've just been obsessed with for the, like the past year is the uh, the game Wordle. Have you ever heard of Wordle? Yes, yeah, so it's a little word game. New York Times actually bought it, but it's a simple kind of Scrabble like word game um, that you can you, you can play every day. So I always play Wordle and I, I send my, my results to to my mom and my brother and, and my girlfriend and it's always a competition every morning of, of who won Wordle for the day so that, that that's another kind of fun hobby that uh, has a little competition built in that's fun to play with the friends and family.
0: Brilliant. Thanks for the tip. I'll definitely check it out. Wordle. Thank you. (laughs) And in terms of education, what are three books you'd recommend to your listeners and why? Okay,
1: three books. I can think of two for sure. So one of my favorite books kind of around business and just entrepreneurship is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Shoe Dog is the story of Phil Knight creating Nike, the shoe company, and it's awesome. Like talk about someone who faked it till he made it and in, in building Nike and, and kind of the innovations there. So that's just a, it's just a feel good story. And, and Nike being such a, a massive company in the States and, and abroad is a really good story. So I'd rec- recommend that one. And then another one that I read recently that I thought was really good uh, was a book called Burn Rate. And burn rate is written by the founder of one of the first kind of direct to consumer men's pants companies, Bonobos. So they were really big. They were a startup here in the United States. They ended up selling to Walmart for around three hundred million dollars. And he shares extremely vulnerably about his kind of experience being a founder and his and him dealing with being a schizophrenic and dealing with anxiety. And it was just really powerful because you just don't hear about these kind of titans of industries or folks that have built these massive thriving startups that deal with mental health issues. And and, and he just kind of tells his whole story. And and so I really enjoyed that one. That one just came out uh, a couple of months ago. but That's a good read for, for sure for, for 2022. As far as the third book, I, I kind of mentioned it, If you're just getting started in in the world of business and entrepreneurship, and you're looking to kind of gauge and get early feedback and kind of test new ideas, The Mom Test is a great, super short read. You can probably read it in a a day or two. I think it's maybe even like 100 pages or so. But it's a really good book about talking to early customers and how to remove kind of some of that bias when talking to your customers to, to kind of validate new potential business ideas. So I really like that one as well.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, John. Another three to add to my reading list. So really appreciate that. And in terms of projects, do you have anything that you're working on currently
1: right now that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes. And Sterpy is our main focus right now. So, Sturpy is great if you're an entrepreneur looking to build an investor-ready financial model. So, you can find it at Sturpy.com. That's S-T-U-R-P-P-Y. And so, we're we're continuing to add to to the product. We're making it stronger and better every day. One kind of fun anecdote that gets asked a lot around Sturpy that, and if you don't mind, I'll go on a small tangent, is where the name comes from. So, people are like, "What what is that name? Sturpy... And you got to think about it from the context that my founder is, or my co-founder is from Italy. And so you got to put on a nice thick Italian accent and say, sterpi. therapy. And what it really comes from is that in Italy, they say to do things in a startupy way. And so to do something kind of lean and mean is a startup-y way, and so we took startup-y and turned it into a stirpy. So that's that's where our name comes from, and, and we get asked about it all the time. And um, <laughs> it's just kind of a, a fun back. We were just kept. We we thought about it at the early stages of, of changing it. We say, you know "What? No, it's that's who we are." it's kind of rooted in, 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 in our team. And, and so we always kept it, but yeah, we get asked quite a bit of where that name comes from. <laughs>
0: That's a wonderful story actually. And uh, so the, the correct pronunciation of Sturpee is Sturpee. Yeah. Uh, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> thank Thanks, John. It's been a complete pleasure. Just one final question. Uh, where can our listeners find and connect with you online?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty active. I would say of all the social medias, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. So you can just search my name, John Ladaga, on LinkedIn and I will show up and i'm john um, jj underscore ladaga on twitter but if you want kind of a list of all my socials if you just go to stirpy.com backslash about you can kind of find all my social channels there we've also got a youtube channel kind of structured around early stage finance and and kind of financial tips there so I have fun trying to build some content on that as well
0: thank you john this was business breaks and you've been listening to john ladaga and dante healy thank you everyone Cheers. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, the show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations.